0: everyone welcome to season two of the guidepost we are talking about amendment seven for stripe bass and our rationale section by section this podcast will address 4.2.2 measures to address recreational release mortality and i have none other than my co-founder in the guides association and general partner in crime captain john mcmurray how are you doing today brother
1: good man thanks for having me
0: it's always fun, man. Always fun. So, recreational release mortality. This has been elevated. Uh, we have been kind of demonized as a group for wanting to throw these fish back. I wish this wasn't in here. I feel like I feel like these measures are better addressed in an addendum. Uh, reason being, an amendment has much longer uh, time that these this stuff will be active. It's much more of a permanent thing than an addendum. So to tell you the truth, you know our feelings on this generally are it should be in an addendum and not in this document. However, they are in the document and we would feel like we were shortchanging our members, the public and recreational fishing at large if we didn't comment Talk about this and tell you where where we stand. But make no mistake, this is a catch and release fishery. 90% of the fish are released. That's pretty much remained constant over the last three or four decades. People value catching striped bass over keeping striped bass. And, you know, of course, we're going to say the disclaimer oh, it's okay to take one home and yada, yada, yada. I mean, yeah, that's kind of like the disclaimer. But the reality is most people, Want to go out there and catch a bunch of fish and let them go. And that's the reality of the fishery. You run a decent chunk of trips in the spring for stripers. What what have you seen from your clients over the years?
1: Um, well, w- without a doubt, it's it's ninety percent catch and release fishery. Um, you know, that's that's not anecdotal either. The, the NOAA fisheries numbers bear that out. Uh it's ninety percent recreational, and ninety percent of the fish, the recreational folks catch are released. Um, there are some assumptions of why they release the fish. There are certainly folks on the board who seem to think it's because of their regulatory discards, meaning they're they're not within keeper size. Uh, but there are also folks, myself included, that feel like the great majority of, of anglers target these fish for sport. They don't target them for food. Um, first of all, they're just in my opinion, anyway, they taste bad. They have no taste at all. But uh, this this huge, economically powerful recreational fishery is driven by opportunity to catch fish, not on how many we could kill. And I've always said that, you know, if you're just interested in taking fish home, then go to the fish market. I mean, that's not what drives recreational fisheries. And Given that ninety percent of the fish caught are released, of course discard mortality is going to be high. And and for context, it's uh, just about fifty percent of total fishing mortality is release mortality. Those are the fish that we release that actually die, um, and that's based on on the nine percent number, which is uh, you know one out of ten fish that you you release die. And and I think that's probably a I mean it's certainly varies on size of the fish, time of the year, water temperature, et cetera. But I think overall, it's probably a, a pretty accurate estimation. Um, you know, is, is it a problem in this fishery? Well, you know, all sources of mortality are, are problematic when you have an, an overfish stock. Uh, but it's really, it's part of the fishery and, and it should be accepted as such. It's part of a sport fishery. And, and frankly, uh, the emphasis in this document, as well as as its emphasis at at board meetings, uh, you know, and and it's particularly most of this is being driven by by pro commercial pro harvest states like Maryland and and New Jersey and, and Delaware. It's a red herring to to take attention off of what we actually can effectively control, what we we actually know has an impact, and that's harvest. Um, it, the bottom line with all this stuff is that. You know, when you have these effort controls, which are essentially seasonal closures, uh, whether they're no harvest or or no targeting closures, uh, we we don't really know what sort of impact they're going to have because you can't quantify them. And
0: I I don't- Well, let's hold, John, let's let's talk about that. Let's hold on. Let's talk about that for a second, because in the document, in the document, measures to 4.2.2, measures to address recreational release mortality- Option A is status quo, which is just a circle hook requirement. You know, we just kind of go on about doing what we're doing. And option B uh, has a couple of sub-options, and, and B1 is no targeting and closures. And, and I got to tell you, you know, how the, how the hell do you enforce that? Number one.
1: Totally ridiculous. As long as there's blue fish in the water, you're going to be quote targeting bluefish. There's no way to win. the only one it's really going to punish are the light tackle guides who uh, practice catch and release fishing during the spring and when they're likely to, or in the summer when they're likely to make these closures. And they're not going to be able to market these catch and release trips because they can't target. Them. That is the and and the impact of shutting those guys out is zero, zero. You you can't quantify it. It's so small so it's it's punitive and and it's not fair and, it, and it almost to me anyway and and maybe my opinion is tainted somewhat but it it seems like a way to punish us uh for you know No it it
0: absolutely is.
1: Right. And and it, and it kind of you know say well listen you know if if the catch and kill folks are going to have to to you know suffer some from this then guess what so are you guys and whether it's going to be impactful or not we're going to stick it to you. Uh and You know, it's it's hard for me not to look at it that way and it 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 annoys me. That's that's all I'm gonna say without losing my head.
0: (laughs) Well, no, let's let's lose our heads because you know, you think about this and it's not enforceable. They'll never know what impacts a decision like this would make, you know, on the stock. I don't care if they're gonna sit down and try to monkey with some numbers or not. I mean, let's be real, man. We don't even know how many fishermen are out there. There are multiple states on the East Coast that don't have a, a saltwater license. We don't even know how many fishermen are out there. And you're going to say that you can quantify the savings of having a no target fishery. You know, I'm going to climb up to the highest mountain and scream bullshit as 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 loud as I possibly can because what you're doing is like you said John it's punitive the only people that would be affected by this are our friggin members and it's such a minuscule portion it it makes it makes absolutely no sense you're basically going to put an entire industry out of work you're going to crush tackle shops you're going to crush hotels, restaurants while while everyone's so nervous about the economy right now it's not even funny you're going to lay that at our feet and just crush us because you're an angry little fucking baby because you can't keep killing fish at an unsustainable rate and i think that's what it comes down to so to say that we are not supportive of that option is the understatement of the century and we will fight this until our dying breath, because, it, because of the reasons we just discussed. So
1: It's not even that we don't know what the impact is going to be. I mean, it's intuitive. It won't have an impact. There's no way to enforce it. And everybody with a boat in this, that wants to fish is going to go out and target bluefish or summer flounder or whatever and catch striped bass. Uh, it, it's an outdated way of looking at the fishery, and it's being driven by a few states in the south. And I hope it gets stepped on pretty quick. I suspect that it will, but I've certainly been wrong about these things before. Uh, But it's... You know, John, every every
0: area is different. Every area is different. So where I live, if I were to go on any pier in any tributary of the Chesapeake Bay and like take little kids fishing for white perch and I put a bloodworm... On a number four hook, and dropped it down to the bottom. Four of the ten fish you catch are going to be twelve-inch stripers. So you're not doing like you're. You're just hurting the people who depend on this fishery, the light tackle and the fly guides, and that's just not acceptable to us. Um, And and you know I, I I think like you, it's going to get squished pretty quick. So let's hop to B2, no harvest spawning closure. We did not support this. And on paper, and at first glance, I think most people would expect us to support it. But there's a whole bunch of reasons why. Um, Our position on this is going to be pretty simple. Well, no, it's not, it's gonna be a little complicated. So just bear with us here for a second. In theory, we support this, but I haven't seen a map for this. I don't know what they're defining as a spawning area closure. Spawning area, no harvest closures already exist. Look at a map of the Chesapeake Bay. You can't even fish for stripers in a tributary, a spawning tributary until June 1. June 1. Spawning is long gone after that. Hudson's closed off. So, you know, what, is this, what does this mean? What, you know, what, what are you going to do that's different, that's not being done right now? And I'll tell you, the number one thing for me is that if you're going to do this stuff, do it right. And that's going to be our recommendation is to go back to the drawing board with this sub option. And we're probably going to have an opportunity with an addendum in October to address the stock assessment to, to get this one right. And the one thing I would really like to see is this based on temperature. We have buoys everywhere that read temperature. And for example, I think it's a little bit different in the Hudson, but in the Chesapeake Bay, we know that when the temperature gets above 65 degrees, like 90% of the spawning has occurred. So, okay, that's what it should be based on. If you pick a day on the calendar, what happens if you have a cold year? what happens if you have a warm year? i can tell you in colder springs here it pushes spawning back and it's like a wholesale slaughter for trophy season. and in warmer springs, the fish are gone and there's barely any trophy season in the Chesapeake Bay. so just picking an arbitrary day on a on a, on a calendar is not effective. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't account for anything. So, John, you know, any thoughts on these? We, we would like them to go back to the drawing board and do this correctly, because we've been we've been in this Amendment 7 process for like years and uh, and everyone's a little bit sick of it. So if we're going to do this, let's do it right. And we have an opportunity in October to revisit it. And John, I, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on this.
1: Uh, yeah, I totally agree. This should be split off into its own management action. Uh, the draft is really unclear on what constitutes spawning areas for one. And, and as you noted, the timing on, on spawning is, is fluid. I, it, it happens early some years. It happens later some years. And You have to have an effective way of, of protecting those spawning fish if if you're going to do it, if you're going to do it, do it right. Don't just pick a couple of weeks on a, on a calendar and say, all right, no, no targeting or no harvest during this time. It just doesn't work that way. Um, so, so it needs the sort of thorough analysis that'll come from an addendum that's focused simply on this, on this particular issue. Um, and, and, you know, I'm hoping that we could, we're, we'll, we'll be able to split that off at this, uh, at the May meeting, but we'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. And like I said, it makes sense. It, it intuitively makes sense to, to not hurt fish during spawning, but, but you, you have to do it the right way. Go ahead. Tony.
0: So John, there's a key word in this, right? And it's recreational. So I was sent a video this morning and it had a pound net that was tied to a boat and a guy who had been fishing a certain area. And he saw that pound net tied up to a boat with fish in it for at least 30 hours. And in that net was a pile of gizzard shad and a whole shitload of bass that were over 30 pounds. Furthermore, you have the gill net season in Virginia. That's right, oddly enough during the spawning run. So we have been very fair. Uh, We used to get calls, Christ, once a week from other groups asking us to join their fight to make striped bass a game fish. And you and I took an awful lot of shit and abuse for saying no. The commercial fishing is not the problem. It's us. And we're not going to take away their... Ability to make a living. And and we have held on that and we have been true to that. But if you're going to start laying out things to protect the spawning fish on their spawning run, why are there nets in the water? Why are there nets in the water? Because it's not just a that is not a recreational issue. And if we're going to be fair, just like we always are, this better not just be a recreational issue. Because I have, like I said, I have a video right now of, you know, a bunch of 30 pound bass tied to a boat for over a day, over a day in a net. Okay. And then you have the gillnet season in Virginia. And I can put up pictures of that and you can see the fish that they're catching in those gillnets. And this is not just a, if you, again, do it right. If you want to protect, those fish spawning get the goddamn nets out of the water too. So I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, man. I mean, fair well, is fair I, I and we're I, fair.
1: I couldn't expand on that. Tom. I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, if you truly want to protect those fish you have to remove both recreational and commercial fishermen, you can't do it one way or the other.
0: So, you know, it may be a little shocking to the listeners that we don't support these spawning no harvest closures, but I, I think our reasoning is rock solid because it's got to be fair. So, you know, that's, that's kind of where we stand on it. Um getting into the next options um, is C1 and C2 and that's wreck anglers are prohibited from using any device other than a non-lethal device to remove striped bass from the water or assist in the release of a striped bass. And striped bass caught on any unapproved method of take would be returned to the water immediately without a necessary industry, uh, absolutely without a necessary injury. Um, and, you know, for both of these, basically C1 is saying, don't gaff a fish, you know. Um, and with this slot limit in place, it's really hard, you know, if you're off by an inch, either way, you got to let these fish go and and i just i mean listen i understand some boats have larger transoms i understand all of that but you know what they make really big nets with really long handles now and you don't need to be poking a hole in striper's i'm sorry uh if there's a chance that you're going to let them go and i just i just don't think you know this is not a tuna this is not a tuna that could like hurt you bad uh, or, or, you know, all sorts of other concerns. This is striper. You know, we, we don't need to be poking a hole in them with a gaff. I mean, John, what do you.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, you would think like who the hell uses a gaff for stripers. It's ridiculous. Uh, but absolutely. The party boats do. Uh, you see them out there gaffing fish left and right. I don't know, man. Some of them don't look like keepers to me, but I couldn't tell you for sure. Uh, but it, it just. It makes sense not to use gaffs in this fishery. It's it's a very small preventative measure that probably will have very little impact, if any. But it's just the right thing to do, and there's no reason to to not support this.
0: So you know, next one, the unapproved method C two, and I guess that's my interpretation of that is you're fishing with bait, you're fishing for fluke, and a slot striper nails the squid and killie. You got a J hook on or a kale hook on. You reel the fish in. You didn't have a circle hook. That's not an approved method. You got to throw the fish back. And now, look, this is pretty unenforceable as well. But I think it creates a deterrent, you know, for people who, let's say, are trying to skirt the rules or try to do, you know, Goofy stuff and it I think it gives law enforcement an opportunity. It's it's the non targeting stuff is completely unenforceable. But if a law enforcement officer sees somebody, you know, for example, bottom fishing, catch a decent striper, a slot striper, put it in, it's very easy for them to run over and say, Let me see your hook. And I I I based on that, I think, you know, we all agree that we would support C two. Uh, and also it it agrees with addendum six, right? It just reinforces addendum six
1: and and most states, I don't know about most states. I know new york and uh, and points north already already have this on their on their state regulations, but w- where I see this being particularly effective and you're right, it's it's more or less unenforceable, but you know the snag and drop crowd, you know you weighted trouble hooks, you snag a bunker and you let it swim uh, that's. You know, a, a lot of gut hooking occurs there. I think that's pretty intuitive. A fish a weighted trouble hook and a, a fish eats that bunker that you snag, it's probably going to have all three of those hooks somewhere in its gut. I mean, some of them, some of them do get uh, mouth hooked, but uh, it, it is particularly <laughs> bad way to fish. Now, folks are going to say every time they get boarded that, hey, I'm targeting bluefish. Well, why do you have three bass in your cooler then, dude? Uh, you were supposed to release those. And, and this regulation makes sure you're supposed to release them. And, and it makes sense. And again, do I think it'll have much of an impact? I, I don't. And, and I will say that the circle hook thing, well, it makes sense. It's it's also non-enforceable. And, and you know, anecdotally, I, I see very little, if any, compliance on that uh, in, in, in Rare Pay, uh, to be specific. It's, it's all guys snagging and dropping and
0: that's something that, that's... That's the worst. Snag and again. drop is the worst.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, it doesn't. it's not terrible to snag them and bring them in and put them on a circle hook and drop it right back into the school. No, that's
0: fine. That's I, fine. But when you're dropping them down with a nine-aught treble...
1: Uh, listen, dude, everybody is still doing it. Everybody. It, it's, it, You know, most folks don't use the circle hooks. I mean they have them on board and I think the intent is to use them but when you're on a school bunker that's getting crushed you want to catch a fish quick you're you snagging and dropping that's that's just what people been doing for for decades and decades and it ain't going to stop right away until there's some enforcement uh, we'll see anyway my my point is that very very little impact but still you know the right thing to do
0: So um, the last one here, John, is uh, that we support is D2. And it puts a little onus on the states to promote best striped bass handling um, and developing, you know, outreach and education uh, efforts. And, you know, that's kind of like a, that's a no brainer thing. It's a really valuable fishery to all these states. They need to be putting a little effort into it. And I don't really think we got to beat that one to death, but I, I do want to kind of raise a flag on D1. So again, D2, you know, states promote best catch and release handling practices with outreach campaigns, education, you know, all that kind of good stuff. Now, D1 has language in there that says, once an angler's retain their bag limit, consider targeting a different species the hell is that like it what that's the dumbest thing i mean that you're talking about not in like it opens the door striped bass is not a fishery where you catch your limit and you switch to something that's not why people fish for striped bass that may be why like two or three hundred charter boats in one state's fish for striped bass but it has nothing to do With the overall good of the resource and the overall, you know, what the general public wants out of the resource. And I see that language and it makes my blood boil because it opens the door for this continued assault on catch and release fishing. And guess what? Like, suck it up, buttercup. That's what people want to do. That's what the average person wants to do with striped bass. I don't care what anyone else has to say. We have the numbers to back us up. So we do not support D one because of that language that says once an angler retained their bag limit, considering targeting another species. No, we won't because we want to keep catching stripers, and that's why we're out there. So no, we're not going to do that. I don't. I don't know. What do you? What do you think about that ridiculousness?
1: Yeah, it is totally ridiculous, and it's almost offensive, um, and it shows the way. The commission continues to think about the striped bass bass fishery in terms of yield and dead fish on the deck when that's not what 90 percent of the fishery is it's it's a sport fishery uh and it's a very economically valuable one And, and it's based on the experience of fishing not killing them and and you catch one keeper and decide to keep it you do not stop fishing it's just not the way that fishery works and if you did then it would be diminished into a a way, way less economically valuable fishery. Now, the other thing about D1, when you're requiring states to promote these best handling and release practices, honestly, I I think marine management agencies have better things to do. Uh, And this sort of education, you know, it sounds nice and, the people who are releasing fish, it's intuitive. You, you know, you don't let the fish flop around the deck. You don't throw in the sand and kick it off the rocks, et cetera. Everybody knows that. And the people that, that do that sort of thing don't give a shit, and they're going to continue to do it, whether or not there's a mandated education program or not. And and my point is that, you know, you, let's, let's let these guys who generally have difficult jobs and and are understaffed and have time constraints let's let's let them do what's important and not force them to do ineffective semi ridiculous things like this
0: yeah i mean i i'm I'm a little squishy on it myself um you know it's just one of those things that they put on there, and as a conservation minded association and a resource first association, you look at it and you're like, "How could you disagree with that um but you know, the reality of the situation that you just described is that there's not even enough people to enforce the rules. And now you're going to pull them all aside. And, you know, John, I think the reality is like, and it's a question that we wrestle with every day, is, is how do you reach the people that really need the education? And do they even want it? And that's, that's the million dollar question. And I guess, and, you know, in the world that we're in today, all you can do is try, um, you know, Christ, man. I, I remember when I first moved here 20 something years ago, I was watching all these old timers, you know, jigging the bridge or, or you know, doing whatever. And they grab every striper with a towel. And as like, you know, growing up as, you know, freshwater bass fisherman, I was like, I was like screaming on the boat, like, what are you doing? Like, you're removing its protective layer. And it's just been like the last 10 years where I've seen that stop, you know? And I I feel like a lot of this is generational stuff. And I will say that one hope that I do have is the younger generation. Like, I don't know, man, you watch someone mishandle a trout or, or even a striper to some degree and put it on Instagram and like you're Insta famous right? They'll eat you alive. So I think that's, I think that's part of the deal too, is
1: that. That's the same here. There was this kid named Johnny Bucktails. Uh, He's actually a pretty good guy and a successful trotter boat captain now, but he posted a video on, on, uh, I think it was Facebook. This is a long time ago, back on Facebook. And, you know, he was, there were fish on the deck. He was kind of reaching down, releasing them, catching another one, throwing it on the deck. Man, he just got crucified, (laughs) absolutely crucified. And he he learned his lesson, you know, and and he's actually a pretty good guy. But same thing on on the beaches of Montauk. If you kick a fish off the rocks or you treat a fish wrong, man, somebody down there will let you know about it. And it's it's kind of a, a neat little culture that's developed. And I like it, you know, it's, it's brutal. <laughs> and, and, you know, there's definitely some physical threats sometimes. But It's, it's like this, this cultural thing and it makes a lot of sense. Did
0: you, did you see that this is, this is a cultural thing as well and it's not as positive. I, I saw the video this year of those, the people fishing the canal in Cape Cod and some dudes stood on some other dudes rock and they were like dueling with filet knives like some like massively like overweight, like 350 pound mass hole without a shirt on, like pulling out a fillet knife and chasing some other guy. And Willie, Willie showed it to me and I'm not, not being from there. Like Willie showed it to me and I'm just like, who the hell would want to fish there? Like I go out of my fucking way to not see anyone. Like I I go way out of my way. I go to extreme lengths to not be around anyone. And I you got some like obese, you know, crazy guy with some thick Boston asks accent chasing you with a four-dollar filet knife that he got at like a tackle shop 32 years ago. You know, and you're like, Jesus Christ, for a striper? Like, are you kidding me? You know, like fuck crazy. Um so yeah, I mean, that's that's about it folks on the on the on the uh on the release mortality stuff. You know, we're responsible fishermen. We do want to take care of the resource. We understand that this is a cause of mortality, but the links to which these folks have gone to to try to screw us out of a catch and release fishery should be met with resistance. We should resist this. We should not agree with this. So, um, you know, we're really going to only support C and kind of support D. In no way, shape, or form are we going to support anything in B. And as a matter of fact, with the non-targeting stuff, you're going to see us fighting that tooth and nail. So that is it for the recreational release mortality Um, we're not real happy that it's in here in the first place, but you got to play the hand you're dealt. So John, you want to throw anything else in there, brother?
1: Not really, man. I think we, we covered a lot there. I think people know where we stand and, uh, you know, good talk.
0: Okay. Well, all right, folks, that is, uh, that is it for this podcast. Don't forget to send your comments in to comments at saltwaterguidesassociation.org. We read it online. You're going to win an awesome pair of Costas. Uh, Thanks to Captain McMurray for joining me. And we will see all of y'all real
1: soon. Thanks, man.